We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Guys, welcome to the post game podcast. This is Kamiar Marabi, and I'll be your host this evening, flying solo for the uncontested podcast. Oklahoma City Thunder defeats the Portland Trailblazers 122 111 to improve to 37 and 19 on the season. That's pretty big considering that Oklahoma didn't get 18 games above 500 at all last year. And of course, I hope I'm not jinxing that schedule because. This, the remaining schedule is pretty difficult, but it's just nice to win games that you know that are tough games against playoff teams. Before we get into the themes of the game, let's just go to the just the numbers. So three point percentage. Oklahoma City's been hot over the last month. They've actually been number one in the NBA as far as three point percentage over the last thirty days. Really impressive. Portland shoots thirty eight percent from three. Oklahoma City forty six percent. Free throws, Oklahoma shoots 22 of 29, Portland gets 28 of 38. So there's kind of a big discrepancy there regarding the free throws that Oklahoma City is only shoots 29 times, they only get to the line 29 times, and Portland, they almost shoot and make 28, they get 28 shots in, and they go to the line 38 times. So if you're looking at just like the sheer numbers of it, Portland had way more opportunities to score, but the clock stopped. Pretty much, the game was really even at, at the end of the at the end of the at, the at the horn. Free throw percentage, rebounds, steals, blocks—all those are things that are really nearly even within one or two. So, uh, fast break points. Oklahoma City won that one, twenty-three to ten. Now let's go to themes of this game that Oklahoma City was able to pull out. It got a little scary at sometimes, but. They put it away. No Jeremy Grant, 
No Dennis Schroeder. That's the first thing. Well, the first thing you heard yesterday was no Jeremy Grant. And you're thinking, okay, no Jeremy Grant. Okay, so you'll start Patterson. They still can get a W. They still have a kick off the bench. And then today you find out, all right, well, no Dennis Schroeder. He's, you know, awaiting the birth of his child, which is understandable for the most part. So you're thinking, okay, well, that's that. now that's a problem. But in steps Raymond Felton. In steps Deontay Burton. Ram Felton goes 6-10 from the field, 3-5 from 3 for 15 points. Deontay Burton, 7-9 from the field, 3-5 from 3 for 18 points. Huge, 33 points off the bench. That was really, really big in supplanting not only Schroeder's minutes and his points, but also Jeremy Grant's. And even Deontay Burton played a, a little bit of 4 for OKC towards the end of the game. And that's because, you know, Patterson was not good. Fumbled the ball everywhere. He made the extra pass like Patterson does. But Patterson really was not good. He started tonight, had zero points. And that's really not what you're looking for from a starter. I mean, he tried to make some open threes. He had some wide open ones. Couldn't get him to go. But overall, just not a good night from Patterson. And, I mean, you're kind of seeing why, uh, you know, he, he he was a starter to begin the year but lost that job quickly to Jeremy Grant. And Jeremy Grant has solidified his spot on the team as a starter. So, Felton, who hasn't played since December, really kicks it up a notch, and it's just, it's unbelievable. I mean, he shoots his threes, he had a steal and a basically a scoop and score, a layup to end the half. Really, really good from him, and he's been on the bench since December, not doing much. But, another big story, Paul George continues to be a shredder. I mean, God, the guy's 15 and 26 with 47 points. 15 of 26 for four and 47 points. And tell me why Harden is ahead of him in the MVP in the MVP race. Tell me why Giannis might be ahead of him in the MVP race when PG has gone up to him, both both those guys head on head and he's outplayed both of them both times. It's just unreal what Paul George is doing. And you know, he 47 points, one short of his career high by the way, which is 48. 8 of 13 from 3. It's unbelievable what he's doing, and I'll have a little bit more to talk about that later, but what he's doing is probably one of the most impressive things that Oklahoma City fans, um, analysts have seen in a long time, and it's not getting appreciated because Harden, you know, he scores 30 points tonight. That's in, doesn't play defense. Giannis doesn't have a jump shot, but hey, the Bucks are playing well. But this guy is just killing it every single night. And he's third in MVP race? Third? It's a bunch of BS, man. But PG again almost has a 50-piece. He tried to get a 50-piece at the end of the game by shooting a three. What's really funny is that in the group te- in the group text, I said that, you know, Russ or PG is going to score quite a few points to get OKC this win over Portland without, any, without Schroeder and without Grant. And I think it was Taylor or Nick said PG's going to have 50. And I was like, okay, whatever. He got close. So really big game from him. Massive halftime lead. There's no complaints at all from the first half. OKC closes that first half with a 19-point lead. You have no complaints. You're thinking, okay, you know, OKC's probably going to coast to a win. And I was actually pretty nervous. You know, you just you just played Houston. Just played Houston. 
where you were down by 26 at one point. Portland, they've got McCollum, they have Lillard. They are more than capable of coming down, coming back from a 19-point deficit because they shoot the three balls so well. And the game did get close. It got within five points. And that's where we're thinking, oh my gosh, like, this is, we got some serious issues. OKC, I think, it was, I think OKC went into the fourth quarter with only a five-point lead. And then PG comes in, does his thing, extends the lead to eight, you know, nine. Then double digits again, and they just coast again for the rest of the game. But it was a little bit, it's a little scary. But okay, see, it was just like they were sluggish in the third quarter. They were turning the ball over. They had really, really horrid and awful offensive possessions, just like terrible possessions, where they were just like look, they just looked, uh, you know, lack, lackadaisical. They didn't look really into it. They thought the game was over, even though they should not have that mindset of just playing in Houston. And they turn the energy back up in the fourth quarter. Just goes to a win. You know, what you would expect them to do. Russ is 5-19. and And people are going to say, oh my gosh, well, he got his triple-double, but look at his stat line. Russ, he was 5-19. and That's right, you know. Russ probably shouldn't be shooting three as much as he did. He got to the line 13 times. He made 10 of them. That's actually pretty significant. Russ's free throw percentage has been getting better which is really good news. It's just, man, you'd wish, and of course we can say this every night, I don't know what's up with Russ's jumper, because the previous years, that mid-range shot was his shot, and for some reason, it's like betrayed him this year. I don't understand. But, I mean, he gets to the line 13 times. I'm not going to complain, especially if he converts on 10 with the year he's been having. But that's not the take. The big take here is, he surpasses Wilt Chamberlain, Cham- uh, Wilt Chamberlain, ten consecutive triple doubles. We thought, oh man, this guy can't average a triple double. Nobody's ever gonna break what Oscar Robertson did. O- Oscar Robertson did. Russ does it. Oh, he can't do it for a second year in a row. Russ does it. He definitely can't do it for a third year in a row. Russ is gonna do it. Unbelievable. When is it going to sink in what he's doing? And I have a really hot take on Wilt Chamberlain. Yes, Wilt's good. He's one of the greatest of all time. You know why? Because he was one of, he was like the first unicorn to ever bless the league. And maybe some people don't like that. Because I feel like you put Wilt Chamberlain one-on-one with Nikola Jokic, Boogie Cousins, you know, guys like that, he gets worked. You put Wilton's prime and Boogie right now, or Boogie pre-injury, Anthony Davis, Wilt gets worked and shut down. And you got to consider what Wilt was doing against and who he was playing against, okay? Wilt wasn't playing against the caliber of athletes and massive guys that the NBA has today. And I think on this, you can totally judge. The Michael Jordan thing... With LeBron James, that argument, I can kind of get it, but you know the amount of the kind of athletes Wilt was playing against versus what you know Russell Westbrook, PG, and all those guys play against every day, every night, especially in the Western Conference right now. It's unbelievable. So there's my hot take. But more about Russ is when are we as a fan base? And as a collective, just 
bunch of people that watch the NBA going to fully appreciate Russ. Now, OKC fans, I think they love Russ. I think we all love Russ just the way he is. Of course, you'd like to see his jump shot go in, but he plays with an edge. He's actually playing defense this year, which is really nice because you always knew he had the capability to. He was like all defensive player, always at UCLA. He has the physical tools to play incredible defense, and he's doing it this year. He's getting a lot of points on fast break. He's creating for others, and this is like the the evolution of Russell Westbrook. The he's not necessarily having to score thirty points a game now. It's you know if he gets if he gets if Russ gets more than thirty in a game, you either say that's a loss. Or you say, wow, that's that's kind of different. Because that's not how he's been operating this year. Russ has been operating like in the low 20s and getting the triple doubles and letting P take over with the shots. Which, he's not... People like to say, oh, Russ is deferring to Paul George. Russ is deferring to P. And that's why this team is successful. Deferring provides the connotation and the idea that Russ is taking the backseat to Paul George. And that's not true. Russ is facilitating the game through Paul George because he knows it's successful. It's still Russ's team. Russ is still the alpha male. There's there's nowhere close to anybody saying, besides Colin Cowherd, I guess, that this is now Paul George's team. No, no, no. It never was. It never will be. This is always going to be Russ's team. But Russ, in his evolution of this year, you look at it. And he's evolving his game. Hence, why the other four starters are having career years—the best the year, the best career, the, the best career that any of them have had so far to date. And he's not taking a back seat as far as he is driving the vehicle for OKC and making them be successful. It's incredible. And I have a, I have a really big issue. I, was it Paul Pierce? Or somebody, oh no, 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 was it Jalen Rose? I can't, or Chauncey Billups, one of the guys, said that what Russ is doing with his triple doubles is not organic. I don't know how you can say that. So first of all, you're a point guard, you're supposed to get assists, so that's organic. I mean, and Russ is a superstar, so he's going to get points, so that's, that's organic. The only thing I can think of that's not organic at all, maybe is the rebounds, but we've been having this argument for so long that OKC is a fast-break transition team. Like, they do- they more than doubled up Portland in fast-break points. And, yes, OKC could easily have Steven Adams box out, get the rebound, and pass it to Russ so he can start the transition break. In which they do sometimes. They've actually been doing it more frequently this year in, than in previous years. They're letting the bigs rebound the ball. But, again, for the people that don't understand, it's completely organic for a team that is predicated off the fast break, especially getting their shots in the first six to seven seconds on the shot clock, that you have your playmakers get the ball and run up court so you can get the defense scrambled and still score and provide wide open shots. That's organic within the offense this this is being that's being run. And when D'Antoni did it, when D'Antoni did it a while back, people thought it was gimmicky and that it wouldn't work. That first 6 seconds in the uh, in the shot clock that you shoot, people thought that wouldn't work. And you know what? That's the modern NBA today. Like 
People don't complain about De'Aaron Fox getting rebounds, saying that's not organic, and he's one of the fastest players in the NBA. People just, it's like the NBA wants to see the Ru- NBA wants to see Russ fail, or the NBA wants to, you know, say, well, Oscar Robinson did it, but it was more organic. No, it's not any different. It's literally the style of offense, the transition defense offense that OKC is working with. That's literally the style of play they're going off of. But anyways, Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum. They're both, Lillard is 3 of 8 from 3, CJ is 1 of 7 from 3. And they just, some of them, a couple they just straight up missed, but you have to give a testament to OKC's defense. Again, Terrence Ferguson, Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Deontay Burton even, running these guys off the line and getting them to take tough mid-range contested twos. And it Again, paid off big for OKC. The best shooter from outside for PDX tonight from Portland was Jake Lehman. Yeah, search that guy. Not going to find a lot. And it's, you know, OKC save one game. They've really held CJ and Damon check. And again, the evolution of Terrence Ferguson is just amazing. That it's night and day from... The beginning of the season to now, he's incredibly confident. And I don't know how you don't start him in the future. Robertson's not going to come back this season. I've been very adamant about that. And he might not ever come back. You might not, you might not ever see Andre Robertson in a Thunder uniform anymore. He's $10 million. He has one year left on his contract. And his game is predicated off of athleticism. His sheer athleticism and size and his understanding and ability to comprehend angles and defense. And if you if he comes back 80% athletically, that's still not as good as a 100% Terrence Ferguson that can also be a reliable corner three shooter. And so it might be an expiring $10 million contract, you know? And it sucks to say that because Dre's been so instrumental in this squad, but... Ferguson is providing to be that 3 and D guy you've always wanted. And he's 20, you know? He's 20 years old. That's unbelievable. He's not even close to his ceiling. Jeremy Grant's not even close to his ceiling. And you have superstars on the team. It's There's a lot to be excited about. And again, this OKC defense is just going to get better. With the, as the year goes on, like, right now, they're outscoring teams just because they can. You know, you absolutely know when the game is in lockdown mode, OKC is going to be able to shut some people down. And they do when they want to. Have, have, have you guys noticed that OKC, when they get upset, when they get pissed, or just when they need to, they just completely lock down the opponent? Let's say, you know, Houston in the third quarter or PDX in the first half. When they're motivated, they lock them down because they, they can. They have that ability. But, again, when you're scoring 120-plus points or 110-plus points and leading the league in three-point percentage over the last month and a half, you're probably not going to be worried about shutting the other team down because you're just making shot after shot. It's impressive. What else is impressive is that the dynamic duo between Paul George and Russell Westbrook, because Russell Westbrook not only got, he didn't only get one triple-double. Well, he did, but he wasn't the only one. Paul George also got a triple-double tonight. The dynamic duo gets, they both get triple-doubles. 
Of course, he scored about double what Russ did, but it's just, gosh, you love to see those guys together. And right after the game, something that like once like makes you fill your heart with like joy and you kinda wanna cry. And I'll talk about a couple of these uh situations. Paul George, this is the best he's felt mentally in his career. And he loves Russ and loves the team. Paul George has had a pretty decent career so far, like getting to the Eastern Conference Finals with the Pacers. You those guys like oh uh, Granger and uh, who who else am I missing? That was a pretty big piece in. Oh, and, and David West and those cats. You know he's had a pretty good time in Indiana, where they would go against Braun. And for him to say this is the best he's felt mentally in his career, and that he has guys like Russ backing him up, and like they're like BFFs now, which is the best thing ever. You know it's. It's it just makes you feel pretty great about the team because there were times last year that it felt like the team wasn't having fun that they were just doing a job and it is their job but it's a sport and it's a game and you're supposed to have fun and the fact that he feels really at peace mentally there's no outside noise he can go out and just have fun and drop 47 whenever he wants to apparently it's really good. And on top of that, Nerland said something, I think today or yesterday, regarding that same thing that, you know, he had stops in Philly, he had stopped in Dallas, so they tried to pay him a, mon- a bunch of money, and he said no, and it ended up being a bad deal for him. And then he says that this is like the most fun he's having in his career, like this is the best thing he's ever had, that A, again, they're just having fun, and B, th- there's a mission they want to win a title. They want, they love winning, and they want to do something bigger. And it hasn't necessarily been the case. And that Thunder culture that I mentioned, you know, before, as soon as OKC traded for Nerlens, was or not traded, but picked him up, was, you know, he, oh, he might be, he's a problem guy. He goes to, you know, to the whatever to get hot dogs, and he's a he's a, uh, a malcontent. I was thinking, you know. The Thunder culture, they can turn these dudes around really easy. And it's a testament to that, that they have superstars and they have a mission. And also, y'all, it's just fun to watch these guys have fun. Like the team laughing with each other, hanging out with each other, always having a good time, celebrating with each other. Genuinely, like, actually like playing with each other that's huge man and especially with the core that's going to be together for the next two to three years that's even bigger and you just appreciate it you appreciate watching all these guys and you appreciate everything about it you know you love it you love watching your team have fun but a little more Paul George before we move on to the end of this post-game podcast which is taking a little bit longer but it's okay Paul George the season he's having, 2018-19, is this the best, most well-rounded performance from a season for a player that we've ever seen in a Thunder uniform? Now hear me out. Russ, two years ago, electric, must-watch television. The triple-double thing, too. My God. 
Impressive. KD, four years ago, five years ago, whatever it was, 2008, 2014? So, okay, five years ago. Again, that guy's one of the best scorers on the planet. So it's PG, it looks like. But none of them, and this is, you know, this is my opinion, and I think others might agree, none of them are doing it on both ends of the court like Paul George is. Paul George is defense, your defensive player of the year. Has to be. The guys locks down everybody. I think he's second deflections right behind his captain and teammate Russ, who I think is first. That may have changed over the past couple games. And, you know, players on offense, they just know they try to get the switch from Paul George because they they can't really score that easily on him. Like, just tough to score in general on him. And so he's doing on the defensive end, which we all expect him to do. That's one of his calling cards, his defense. But the season he's having on offense, unbelievable. So have we seen Russ have that offensive year? Yeah, from three, no. But Russ was never going to be a three-point shooter. KD, the offense, it's comparable. I think that's fine, you know. But the holistic game, holistically, well-rounded, I think this is the best performance we've seen in a season from an OKC player ever. And I'm sure somebody will disagree, and that's fine. That's my opinion, but I think he's definitely up there. Let's go to players of the game. How can you not pick PG? How can you not pick how can you not pick PG who gets a triple double? Almost scores 50, almost scores over his career high. How can you not pick Russ, who historically be you know is doing just things in history in general with a triple double, but also surpasses Will Chamberlain for the tenth consecutive one, so breaking that record too, which people said they wouldn't break Oscar's record. They wouldn't break Wilt's record. Well, Russ did both of those things. So built him a statue right now. How can you not pick both of them? So I decided not to. And I went with Raymond Felton. <laughs> Once we found out Raymond Felton was going to play significant minutes, I thought, oh God, he's going to guard Seth Curry. Or anybody else. The guy doesn't play. He doesn't. He's there for depth as a leader. He said he'd like to play somewhere. But there's really no way that he would leave this team because, you know, everybody loves it. Everybody on the team loves each other. The guys just sit on the bench as a hype man, coaching up the young kids, being a voice in the locker room. He comes out and just drops 15 points out of nowhere. Like, talking about always being ready, always being a veteran, always being a, a consummate professional... You got to appreciate that. Deontay Burton, you know, honorable mention, 18 points? Give the man a contract now. Seriously. I mean, what? You're down to you're down to 13 players. Or no, 12, right? Because they already had, already had 14. Robertson can't play, so 13. And then, oh no, because they traded, yeah, that's right. They were down to 13 because of TLC. And then Abrinas goes away. So you're down to 12. Robertson can't play. You're down to 11. And now you've got, you know, other guys out. No Schroeder. No Grant. 
So you're just like scrounging for something on the depth. And you pull up two guys that can probably play. Burton, who's played several times this year, 18 points. Felton, who doesn't really play, just in spots, 15 points. Just unbelievable. You can give this to several players, so you got to appreciate it. All right, well, coming up, because I'm going to wrap this thing up pretty quickly. OKC, uh, they're now at four games on Portland and Houston. Honestly, if you would have asked me if OKC was going to win both of these games before Saturday, I would have told you no way. I, I would have said they probably would have split at best. I, You know, it, the Rockets, and they honestly should have split, you know, 26 down. But OKC is at four games on Portland and the Rockets. OKC effectively, honestly, has a five-game lead over Portland because of the tiebreaker, 3-0 in the season series. So that's huge, huge for the playoff standings that, you know, there's 20-something games left and, or 20-something or 30-something games left, and about 20 of them are against teams that are jostling for playoffs. So OKC's got a tough schedule ahead. So to win these games against playoff teams is huge. Again, if Burton doesn't have a guaranteed contract in his hand by Thursday against the Pellies, I do not know what Sam Presti's doing. But I trust him, so I'm sure I know what he's doing. Lastly, Pelicans on Thursday, then the All-Star break. And that's got to be a really awkward thing for Anthony Davis to... Make a big deal about it. The Pelicans were not going to play him. And they're all of a sudden like, okay, because the NBA is telling us we have to play you so we don't get fined, we now have to play you. That's so awkward. That's so completely awkward. And, like, they booed him in his return, and then then they didn't boo him. It's It's got to stop. But anyways, after that, the All-Star break, which is going to be a very nice sight for OKC, especially if they can go into that break with a massive win streak or winning, I don't even know what it is now, like 11 to 12 or something like that. That's crazy. You have the All-Star game with Russ and P. You've got Hamadou Diallo in the dunk contest. That's always good times. You're hoping over that course of the next week and a half, OKC acquires a guy in the bio market or two, you know, because they kind of have to add guys to the roster pretty soon. That might be an issue. But yeah, that's about it. So this about wraps it up. OKC defeats Portland 120 to 111. Follow, you know, follow the, the account at the underscore uncontested. Now follow me, Boomtown RW. That's me, Kami, and Robbie. And follow the other guys. There's at Thundermob405. That's Jake. Uh, there's uh, Nick, which is at two, cra- two Cranes. I don't even know. Taylor, I don't know, is at Justin. OKC Tracker. I'm botching all of the Twitter things, but I don't really care. And then just follow us around and at theuncontestedsports.com. I mean, we're going to be putting a lot more articles up. A lot more shing stuff. I do a lot of the fun things. The other guys do a lot of like the numbers things. But hey, that's just me. So, OKC beats Portland for the third time this season. I'm out.
For the ones who know that a little late is always too late, and that the clock doesn't stop just because you're missing a part, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, and our KeepStock inventory management solutions help ensure you have the right stuff in the right place at exactly the right time. Visit Granger.com/keepstock to learn more. Granger for the ones who get it done.